Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. My name is Bella and we are here for another week, which is very exciting. My throat is not getting better. I actually think it's getting progressively worse. I also, I think I've got an ulcer on my tongue and that's just making talking. My voice sounds so horrific. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. There's nothing much I can do about it. I think I'm just getting progressively more ill as time goes on, as I get closer towards the end. Although... Although, I accidentally changed my alarm this morning and I have like one of those alarms that wakes you up with um, light and like sound, obviously sound, but like it's a light one. Not the like 400 Lumia one though, mine's like a 30 quid Amazon one and it is great, like I don't know what it's called, but I would so recommend, it's called like the Tech Rich one, I don't know, it's, it was literally like 25 quid. It's so good, I would have a hundred thousand percent, billion percent, like, please buy it, it's so great. Um, I changed the sound on it accidentally last night before I went to sleep. And I accidentally picked to have, like, a seashell, like, a sea, the sea. So I woke up and there was, like, wave noises and, like, bird calls. And I was like, what the fuck am I at home? This is weird. This is so weird. But no, I had just changed it. But anyway, on to today's life update. <sighs> I have great news. I am not at university today and how lovely is that? That means I can do the podcast from home today. It means I can do my work from home. I love working from home, especially when I'm feeling ill and tired like I am now. Like, I love it. It's so great. I'm having a good week so far though. I had my stats lesson on Monday and stats has been the one that's been really stressing me out recently because I'm not like super mathsy and I kind of have to be for this. And you know what? I'm starting to understand it. It's a lot more like coding than I thought it was going to be because we use this software that basically allows you to code for stats. So that's been refreshing. And also we got given one of our exam papers, like what it's going to be like. And it doesn't look too horrific. I'm going to do that this morning, but like... You know, I'm trying to stay very positive about it all. I also got my period though and I just feel a bit shit. Like I just feel a bit generally shit. I need to do a workout this morning. I've been doing those Pilates ones with Bailey Brown like literally for about a month now and it's really good. I love them. They're just so easy to fit in. I don't have time to be able to go to the gym to do like a 40 minute workout because I just wasn't sleeping enough. And at the moment I'm so tired. Like I think it's hurt so much harder when outside is so cold and in my bed it's so warm and I'm like, I don't really want to get out of bed. And so I can get myself out to do a workout. I didn't manage it yesterday, but that's because I felt so shit when I woke up. I felt so ill and so just like period painy, like honestly. The fact that you just have to carry on when you feel like shit because of your period is so annoying. Like, I know you can take time off, but if I took time off every single period, no one would hire me. No one would hire me. Also, I have these little hooks that keep sticking on, like, that stick on my wall, and they won't stay up and they just keep falling. It's really upsetting me, to be honest. I feel like I've spoken about this before, but they just keep attacking my plant because my bags keep falling down. I don't know how to solve it. But let me do a little bit of a week update. So the last time I spoke to you, it was Saturday. We'd had like a nice evening at the pub the night before and it was all, it was all, it was a cute day. And then on Saturday, I mainly just did work because I was like trying to get ahead because this weekend Louis is coming, which I'm so excited about. Like we haven't seen each other for weeks now, like maybe a month, weeks, a while anyway, like long enough for it to be like, fuck me, it's been ages. And so I'm really excited. We're going to go to Winter Wonderland on Friday. Like how cute is that going to be? 
I have never been to Winter Wonderland like a date thing before. We're going to go on this. It's going to be so nice. And my housemate went last night and it looks so good. And so we're going to go to Winter Wonderland on Friday. And oh, by the time you listen to this, I'll already have been people. I will have been. Um, and then on Saturday, I want us to go to the V&A. Um, because I haven't been to that one yet. I've been to the Tate and I've been to the Royal Academy. And I've been to Natural History Museum. And I've been to another one but I haven't been to the V&A and I really want to go and so we're going to go there on Saturday because we're doing winter wonderland in the evening because I have to study in the day which is a bit like it's not shit it's just it is how it is um and then Saturday I'm going to go to the art gallery and then Sunday I'm thinking do a bit of work in the morning and then maybe go for a walk on Sunday last Sunday I went to Victoria Park I had no idea how close that was to me I have this entire time been thinking, God, I wish I was close to a park. I wish I was close to somewhere I could just walk around, but I'm not, and it's really annoying. Because I thought Mile End Park was the only one that's close to me. It's not. Victoria Park is fucking huge, and it's massive, and it was great, and I had a really nice walk. But I realised that I hadn't actually been outside. Right, this is shameful to admit. I hadn't actually been outside in daylight in four days. Because, because, hear me out. Thursday, Friday were strikes, and so I was at home, and then Friday I went to the pub in the evening, Saturday I went to the pub in the evening, Sunday it was time to leave the house in daylight, and it's because it gets dark so early now, it's because it just gets dark so early, which is so inconsiderate, I'm not a fan of these longer nights, shorter days, like I'm definitely, I used to think I loved, I do love winter, but I really love summer as well. It's just so much, so much better. I feel like my stress and anxiety about my course have slightly become less. I don't want to speak too soon, but I feel like I've put myself in quite a good position about my essay and everything like that. And I feel like I'm working quite hard and revising quite a lot at the moment. So I feel like I feel weirdly on top of things. Like weirdly like, I don't know, I just feel good. And I'm not letting the stress take over my head space. And I haven't really done like this before. Like, I feel like I am on top of things. I have started revising earlier than I would normally. I have been doing extra work. And I just feel kind of proud of myself for doing that. I feel like I've put myself in a really good position, which is such a big relief. And I think the weekends where I've been working, I've been boring. But I'm proud of myself for being like that because now I've put myself in a really good position. And so that's made me feel more content about the course and it's also made me realize how far I've come how I have never been very good about having to like rationalize against like why I'm doing okay and I don't need to worry and things like that and I think recording last week's episode where I was like working out your path after uni I was like fuck me I've done quite well like I've managed to get this far and I didn't really have any clue and I'm really proud of myself for doing that and I think I'm trying to take the pressure off myself because I think this might be the last time I ever experienced education. I can't remember if I spoke about this last week, so I'm sorry if I did. But, like, this might be the last time I ever experienced education. And I want to just really enjoy it. I really want to enjoy it. And I think there's a lot of pressure with, like, oh, I want to get this grade, I want to get this grade, I want to get this grade. But, like, I just want to enjoy my learning experience. I really just really want, like, I would just want to pass and then get as good as I can. I'm going to try as hard as I can. But I'm also not going to beat myself up if I don't get a first, you know? Whereas, like, in undergrad, I would have. And it's a really unhealthy mindset to get into. So I'm proud of myself for not doing that this time. I also feel like my mindset at the moment, I don't know, like... 
obviously there's a lot of uncertainty in the future, a lot of uncertainty like being long distance and like thinking about how your lives are going to come together and then also thinking about like where my life's going to go, what am I going to do, all of these different things and there is a lot of uncertainty but I don't feel that like, I don't know if it's just like denial or if it's because like there's other things going on or if it's, I don't know what it is but I don't feel that worried about it all and it's quite weird. Normally when I have to deal with uncertainty I'm really anxious and I'm really overwhelmed but like I just don't feel it at the moment. I feel like everything just will work out. Everything will work out as it's meant to. And I feel very content about that, you know? I don't know. Maybe I have a false sense of confidence. It's weird, though, because normally I'm really anxious about all of these types of things being like, how is it going to work out? What is going to happen? Whereas I just have a very strong sense that this just all will. I feel like I'm on the right path and it will just work out. And I don't know. It's, it's a nicer feeling. And I think also it's just trying to focus more on the present that I can't really change it. I can't change what's going to happen. I can't predict it. And if I start worrying about it now, then what's the point? I think that's the thing. This course is so intense that it's made me a lot more present because I can literally just think a few days in advance. I think a week in advance at max. I have no idea what's coming. And so that's been, that's been a positive thing. I think also having the year off really put things into perspective for me that everything really is going to be okay. That you can get jobs without... Like, do you know what I mean? I will be okay. And that was, that was a really good life lesson to learn, I think. That was really important. But anyway, on to the topic of this week's podcast. So this week we have a bit of a more serious topic. This week, trigger warning, we are going to be talking about death and grief and saying goodbye and life after death. So if this episode isn't for you then please just like skip now just 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 end the episode now you've had the life update like I don't think yeah I just end the episode now if that isn't for you if that's not what you're interested in that's absolutely fine I realize it can be something that not some people want to listen to and that is fine so I've given you a good 30 second warning here please end the episode now if this is something you think you'll find triggering or you don't want to listen to or you think it's not for you also in regards to this topic it's just me, these are just my thoughts in regards to life after death, in regards to like what I think happens. This is just my thoughts. There's no right or wrong, it's just, I just think it's an important conversation to have and I want to have it with all of you. And so, as I said, this week we're going to talk about death and dying and saying goodbye and letting go and I think it's a really important conversation to have. Like the other night I was just lying in bed and I was thinking about like not in a morbid maybe I don't know see even then that's an interesting thing that I was like wanting to counteract being like not in a morbid way like quite like ashamed that I was thinking about it do you know what I mean like death is a normal part of life death is inevitable it's something that is going to happen yet yet we feel this kind of shame around talking about it and we feel like it's such a taboo subject I think that I just did that's kind of telling about why we need to have this conversation when I talk about death I feel very on edge and upset and not not on edge and upset maybe those two extremes but it feels uncomfortable feels really uncomfortable I think because I look around and I think that like it's uncomfortable to look at what you're creating isn't going to be there forever and it's uncomfortable to think about the inevitable like it's such a weird concept that that is the only definite thing that is like we are really not here forever we are only here for 100 years max 
got 100% of your life. Do you know what I mean? And right now I'm 22% through it. Like that is a weird, weird concept. But I think that's what makes it a taboo subject and that's what makes it being a taboo subject so dangerous. And I think the thing is we don't discuss death. We don't talk about grief. We don't talk about dying. We don't talk about life after death. I know in different religions you do talk about it more. But in the British culture we do not talk about it. Full stop. It is not spoken about. And this is what makes it so horrific because no one... It, I think, I think if it was just more accepted as an everyday part of life, like I'm not saying every single morning we should go down and be like, so how do you feel about dying today? No, I'm not saying about that. I'm saying that if it was a less taboo subject, I think there'd be less fear surrounding it and I think people would feel more able to discuss these things and that would be really beneficial because I think when you talk about things, it takes the fear out of them and I think it would make people focus less on the little things more on the big things i think this is the thing talking about death doesn't have to be some massive morbid experience it can be quite a quite a grounding experience in the sense of it's inevitable so the little things really don't matter the little things that you stay up worrying about the little things that you think you've embarrassed yourself about the little things that play on your mind all the time they really don't matter they really don't matter and i think I think, right, this is, I have this weird thing, when something, some, like, this happens with me, with death and embarrassing moments, I'm quite scared to think about them, and so I don't force myself to think about them, I don't enjoy, I don't, I just don't like, I don't like it, I feel like, I wrote this down, I was like, I want to talk about this, so I feel like I haven't really been thinking about that Sylvia is gone. I had one hour when I felt sad and then I put it in a box and when I think about it, I want to cry, but then I shut the door and I don't want to think about it anymore and ignore it. But this means whenever my mind wanders to the topic, I don't feel like I'm confronting it in my mind. This is the point. With things that are uncomfortable, I need to start forcing myself to kind of face them. And I do this a lot. I remember doing this with um, things. So there's things I have in my mind that I've done that is like proper embarrassing. That's like really cringe, really cringe. Maybe we'll have the next podcast episode on them. Maybe not. I don't think I want to expose myself. Um, and I went through a phase of just like genuinely locking it in Pandora's box in my mind, just being like, it didn't happen. I'm just never going to think about that ever again. And that just made it so it didn't happen. And then I just kind of realised that if I faced up to it, if I forced myself to think about it and I accepted it, it really wasn't that bad because every time I thought about it, I'd get this sick feeling, I'd get a bit flustered, I'd get embarrassed. And I think about this similarly with people who have died or with death and things like this. With death, I kind of think about it and I get like I just I just don't I just don't think about it. I just genuinely it is not part of what I think about. I lock it away and then in moments, for example, in films or when something happens in reality that's really upsetting, I'm forced to confront the reality of it and I face it, but I feel sick when I'm doing it and I'm thinking about it and then I'm like, nope, okay, we need to stop thinking about this now, change the subject. And I think that that's very telling about the fact that we don't deal with it. We don't talk about it. It's a taboo subject and it means that I am able to just lock it in my mind. I am able to go 
months and years without thinking about it, about talking about it. And I think that's very, it kind of leads towards that way of thinking of hiding from things. And then it's when I'm really stressed or when I'm feeling sad or when I'm feeling kind of like, you know, when you're just feeling like you're just thinking about things in a very detached way. It's normally before I'm going to sleep. I was just thinking about Sylvia and I was just like, I haven't actually thought about it much. Like when I found out the news, I literally was upset for like, I was at work when I found out with the kids. So that was a bit annoying like uh, there's not you can't really be crying around children when I'm their nanny do you know what I mean so I was just like right no this isn't the time right now so I just shut it in a box and I was like okay we'll deal with this later on and then I didn't really deal with it later on I just kind of left it in the box forever and I think this is again the thing about our own mortality and our own death being something that we don't discuss it's very easy to lock these things into a box which means that we don't we don't explore what that person dying meant to us and how it's affected us and why it's affected us and who they were as a person and what stories do we have to tell as a person because it's a society we're so scared to talk about it and I'm not saying it every day we should be sat down and be like okay guys so who has died around you like it, no I don't mean that because I think it's so important to focus on the living and focus on the now and focus on what you can do but I think when we're recounting stories and things like that it's those moments that I think that it's really nice to be able to feel comfortable enough to talk about people that have died. And I think this is a thing that I have that I'm like, maybe I'm not, I don't know. Because when people die, I feel like I want to ask questions about them. And I want to try and keep them alive because in my head that's the best way I think it's really important to note that 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 might not be the best way for everyone in my head that's what I would want someone to do to me but you've got to be really perceptive about these things anyway I'm going to do a bigger point on this later but I just think it's important to know you've got to be really perceptive about these things because your own curiosity could be really heartbreaking for someone and that's not really beneficial to anyone at all it's you're not meaning to be cruel you're trying to be kind, but by being kind, you're being quite cruel, and it's not, it's not, it's very hard. You need to be very perceptive when talking about these things. I think, going back to wider society, why we are so scared about talking about these things, before I was prepping for this, like, whilst I was prepping for this podcast, I read, like, quite a few different articles, and I read a really interesting article. It was by Stuart Jeffries, and it was in The Guardian, and it was talking about how Britain actually has the highest standard of like it's one of the best places to die in the world and I found this pretty shocking because I was like we literally don't talk about dying in the slightest and it turns out this is due to a lot of when you die like the company will not the company but like the government will pay it's not a personal payment it's a government payment do you know what I mean like it's the government will help you out with it but I find it so interesting that nearly three quarters of us believe our fellow Britons are uncomfortable discussing dying and bereavement, even though death, like sex, and less so, is on our minds a lot. Of those surveyed, only 35% of us have made a will, 40% have taken out life insurance, 32% have registered as an organ donor, 27 have talked about their wishes as a funeral, and only 7% had discussed what sort of care they might want to have if they were unable to make their own decisions. And 18% had spoken to a family member about the way they wanted to end their life. Like, this... I think this is the flip side of us being too scared to talk about a taboo subject, 
which has meant that something that is very inevitable to you and something that can be quite traumatic is not spoken about, is kind of left to your own devices, which means it may not happen as you want it to happen. And I'm not saying you all need to go and have like these deep conversations with your family, like we're all so young, but I think that kind of, it's just highlighted to me the fact that because we are not having these conversations, because we're not talking about death, because we're not talking about dying, because we're not talking about this inevitable thing that is going to happen, it's leaving a lot of things unsaid, which means in those moments where life gets hard, where you have to make really hard decisions, we don't have the facilities to make the right decisions because we haven't had those conversations. We haven't been able to talk about it. I read this next thing in the article, which I found was really like, I don't know how... I think she did a little bit of a retraction at the end, but it was like, even in hospitals where we increasingly die, death is curiously absent. Death is invisible in hospitals, says former hospice and Macmillan nurse Laura Middleton-Green, lecturer in palliative and end-of-life care at the School of Nursing at the University of Bradford. If you're dying, they move you to a second room. When a porter is called to take the body to the mortuary, they're told over the phone there's a patient for Rose Cottage. Like... Even then, it were, it's such a sensitive issue, it's such a delicate issue that we don't, we don't face, we're, we're hidden from it. And I wonder if this one sometimes makes it so hard to grapple with when someone around you does die. I think it makes it quite, it, like, when Sylvia died... I didn't really think about it and I just didn't want to think about it. I didn't have to think about it. And so I just haven't thought about it until literally two nights ago. And it's this fact that because we're hiding from it, these harder conversations are really, really hard. And I think this weird need to airbrush death from our life. Like this is the thing I think about a lot. And it's the fact of like all of these healthy girl trends or like vegan trend or like, right, maybe they were bad examples. You know, the idea of being hyper healthy giving people a bit of like a moral superiority complex where they're like super healthy and they act great about it and they're like I'm better than everyone that vibe I find it kind of weird because they act like they're immortal and everyone acts like they're immortal we all do these things in our lives to make us immortal but the reality is that we're not and the reality is whether you are healthy all your life or you're not healthy all your life you are still going to have the same outcome and I think like it it this is why with my health and with looking after my body and things like this like I do do workouts I go outside for walks I try to eat healthy because it makes me feel good and I know that that is important it makes me feel good I know that it's nourishing like that's really important to do but I think this is why you can never like obviously you should never but you can't judge people for what they decide to do differently and that really annoys me about the kind of the healthy girl trends and things like that is when it gets mixed up with judgment and I'm just like you realize that it's we're all going to end up the same way okay you realize this you realize this like it's not it's fine to be able to want to do it but don't start making people feel shit because they're not doing it with you you know like we act like we're immortal but we're not and it mentioned this in the um pay in the article and it was like today we seem to be believe the opposite we airbrush death from life it's as though we are so anxious about death that we systematically try to deny its existence if so medical medicine helps in our denial as medicine advances we've begun to think we are immortal says middleton green we imagine everything is fixable we're not religious but we have at least as much faith in science as we ever had in religion and i think this is the thing a lot of 
maybe another reason why we don't really talk about death is because a lot of things have become immortal in the sense of medicine has advanced lives dramatically like our scientific ability to care for people is incredible right now and that has made death feel like something we can avoid it's made death feel like something that isn't inevitable it's something that we can fight back against which is true it is with the amounts that we are improving with medical care and science at the moment and it's also made it seem like I think I think, you know, when you think people who do things that directly impact their health, for example, people who smoke, people who do drugs, people who, like, all of these different things that are known to be harmful to you, but, like, everyone still does them, it's that idea of taking immortality in your own hands, and I think this is the thing, like, even though we know they're bad, we still decide to do them, we still decide to do them even though that we know they're bad, because it gives us that sense of control over our lives, and it's weird it is weird because if you think about those things then they are bad they are like they are really bad for your health they increase your your risk of cancer they increase the other things but we don't focus on that we don't focus on the fact that it increases your risk of cancer we don't focus on any of those things we kind of take our own mortality into our own hands and i think that gives us a sense of control that makes us feel less scared about the future it makes us feel less kind of it's more of like a momentary thing and that's the thing in those moments you're just kind of thinking about the now and the here and the now and that's really important to be doing I don't know I just think it's interesting there was a part in the article where it's discussing how as a society these things that we do that are actively against our health we do them because it gives us that sense of control and I'd never really thought of it like that and I kind of was like you know what maybe I can see how plausible that is as a theory about these different things and I think the reason why I think this is even more interesting is because I started reading a few research papers about our perceptions of death and about what it's like when you, not what it's like when you die, but what is our perception of dying. And I've read two different studies. So one was by Grenberg et al. And one was by, let me find it. One was by Fritsch et al. In one in the journal of Experimental Social Psychology and one in Self and Identity. And they found that in, when people talk about their own mortality or when you talk about dying, people's wants for children and to become famous dramatically increase. And it's this concept of us wanting to permanently make our mark on the world. We want to become immortal and so we lean towards the things that make us immortal. We lean towards the fame so that we're a constant figure here. We lean towards having children because we want something here to remember us by. We want to leave a part of us here. And I felt like that was really interesting that that's what we lean to when we are faced with our own mortality is the things that make us immortal. And I wonder how this perception of death and what we think about would differ as time goes on. I wonder when you're faced with your own mortality as an older person who is more frequented with dying because people around you've had, as you, the, the sad truth is, is as you get older, more people around you die. It's the sad truth. And I wonder, I wonder if the study had been repeated with an older cohort of people, what the thoughts would have been like different, like how would the outcomes have been different? I think that'd be a really interesting study to do. And the reason I wanted to talk about this, the reason I wanted to talk about this episode really is because when Sylvia, so Sylvia, I spoke about it a bit last week and it kind of made me realise I haven't really spoken about it that much, but my, so I did that volunteering thing, that support for carers thing, which meant that about two years ago, I got given this lovely lady's number 
and we were in the middle of lockdown still like it wasn't it was in the middle of the final year and the whole idea of it was that I signed up for the volunteering thing and it was to call someone who's struggling with loneliness every week because they're just struggling a bit and they just need a bit of a pick-me-up and so I was given Sylvia and over the course of the last two years I've just called her every week every two weeks like whenever I could call it I've called it and we've been chatting for like an hour two hours and it was just about getting to know each other really just getting to know each other and she'd tell me all of her stories and she'd tell me about her life and she told me about her grandchildren and it was a really lovely way to get to know someone and she became a friend like she became a proper friend because I found out so much about her life and she found out so much about my life she'd always be checking in with me and finding out and we'd be discussing like what she'd been watching that week and when she died I'd never met her in person I don't even know what she looks like and I think it made me realize that like I didn't find out that she died until a while after she had died and so I didn't get to go to the funeral or anything like that which is really like I don't know I just hmm it felt like there wasn't there wasn't really like an and I don't, I, I don't know, I find it, I found it quite hard, I found it a big shock, and just kind of like a, but weirdly, this is the weird thing, I had a feeling that something had happened, deep down, I had a feeling that something wasn't right, that something wasn't like, I don't, I didn't know what it was, but I just had a feeling that something had happened, and that she wasn't here anymore, because... I got in touch with her at the beginning of the year and I hadn't heard from her in like five months and that was weird and I hadn't like when I'd been trying to call her it it just hadn't been ringing properly and then I don't know what it was but just the beginning of summer I just felt a bit different she had a feeling there was no real reason for me to have the feeling I just had a feeling that she wasn't here anymore and it turns out I was right she wasn't here anymore and I think that's really interesting about how connected we all are and how you can sense differences, you can you can tune in and you can feel when something has changed and I felt like something has changed and she was such an incredible lady, she was such an, like she would tell me so many interesting stories, she would tell me about the war and she reminded like one story that she told me was about how she was on a train in the war and the train got bombed by aeroplanes and they all had to evacuate the trains and run off it and it was really really stressful and ever since then she never ever got on a train ever again because it was too traumatizing and she remembers being in her house when she was a child and looking out of the window and all of these planes coming towards the fields to try and like bomb them and she was hiding underneath the kitchen table and it was just like all of these incredible stories are so interesting and then she would tell me such like I think this is the thing because her husband had died we would talk about him quite regularly we would talk I'd ask questions about him because this is a thing where I think you've got to be careful about like making sure that's what the person wants to do and Sylvia did want to chat about him and I think it's about being really perceptive about whether or not people do want to chat about these people that they've lost because it can often be a really painful experience but she'd tell me like the stories about him and like when they'd moved into their house he built her a rose garden like and that was there after he'd gone and that really meant a lot to her and I know in their living room he built a stone archway for them and it was something that she loved she loved it in a fireplace and I was just like 
the way that she'd tell me about these things that he'd done and the way that she'd smile and the way that she'd tell me about how like he used to make her laugh and the things, the dancing they used to do and the birthday parties that they'd had. I don't know, it just was very... It was told with such warmth and such joy and such, like, wow. It, it like, really great that it really just made me want to appreciate these moments that we're having even more because... At some point, these memories that we're making at the moment will be the memories that we're telling to people. And I think that's why it's really important to really just take it all in, to focus on the fact that we're not here forever and that it's really important to enjoy these moments that we are in now. It's really important. In those moments where you're feeling really distracted, when you're feeling really out of it, I think if you can start thinking of it like, okay, I'm not going to be here forever and at some point this is going to be a story to tell. And so I'm just going to focus fully on this now. And sometimes that's enough. That's all you need to be doing. Some days where you can't do much more than that, doing that is good enough. And so a lot of this got me thinking about what do I think happens after death? What, what is my, what do I think happens? And again, this is a personal thing. Don't come at me about it if I'm like, like, it, it, like, I'm not saying my opinion is the right opinion. It's not. It's just my opinion on what I think happens. Um, you can have a totally different one. That is absolutely fine. There is no right or wrong here. It's just an interesting discussion to have. And I was thinking about what I think happens. And I think, I think in my mind, there's a universal type. Like, I think there's too many incredible things. There's too much fate. There's too much... As humans, we are so intelligent that I think there's too much intelligence for it to just be a nothing thing, for it to just just die. Like, I think there's some type of universal power. I don't... I don't know. I don't think it's, like, a single person. I don't think it's, like, a god or something like that. I see it more as, like, like the universe. I see that as a power in itself. And I think when someone dies, I like to think... I see, I don't believe that there's, like, a heaven that you go into. Like, maybe it's because I think of heaven too literally. When I, because I went to a Christian primary school, I used to think of heaven, like, literally, like, like a hotel in the sky. And obviously I don't think of that anymore. I don't think that there's... Or maybe there is. This is I don't know. I believe that people are watching over you, and I believe in angels, and I believe that... When people die, they don't die. I don't think that's the end. I don't. I really don't think that's the end. Maybe I like the idea of reincarnation, that you come back as something else. I know there's this thought, there's this idea that you come back as the thing you most craved when you were older. No, when you were dying, that you come back as the thing you most crave. I don't know. Personally, I'm not sure if that's what I believe. I don't know what I believe. But I just think there's two... You know, when people have lost people and like they've had incredible experiences with animals or they've had I don't know I just think sometimes people come back as old souls like when you have a child that's born I think I was an old soul I was I've always been described as that and I think that the idea of how someone can be an old soul how you can have an opinion on things makes me think that you come back in another way it makes me think that they're souls are recycling over and over and over again but then in itself that's kind of like a weird thought I don't know I don't know all I know is that I don't think that it's the end
I know that it's not the end and that you go and you find those people who have already gone before you. Like, I believe that once people die, you will meet them in the next stage or the next chapter or whatever happens. I don't believe this is it. Which, maybe I don't believe that because it's too scary not to believe that. But I just don't think that we could have so much incredible things down here on Earth and that would be it. I just don't think that 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 would be the case but then I know the scientific part of my brain would disagree but it's the idea of like energy flow like where would you go I don't know I don't know but I think how to help when someone has died and how to have these tricky conversations is to I think this is the thing we've become because death is such a taboo subject we don't like discussing it it can be really hard to talk about these things and it can be really hard to have these types of conversations but I think it's really important to be perceptive of how people are feeling I when someone tells me that someone has died I like asking about what their favorite memory was about them so if they're like oh um I, I don't know I think the thing with that question is though you've got to be perceptive about it They've just told you that they died and they're in a room full of people. They might not want to share. They might not want to talk in front of a group. You've got to be very perceptive about it. But I loved asking Sylvia what her favourite memories were of the people around her who have passed away. And why did they love them? And what what were they excited about? And I, I just liked finding out about them because in my head that kept them alive. And I think that was really important. I like this idea that people's memories and the way we people are talked about and the way that people the impact that they have on us that's what stays alive and that's what keeps them alive and I think that is important I think we can't hide from these things we have to talk about them and if we don't talk about them it makes it so much worse and it makes the person feel really isolated and alone and I don't want it to just feel like things are trapped in a box I want to talk about the people who have gone to make them still feel present and I think that's easier said than done. Like, I think when touch wood, but I've been very fortunate that I have been quite lucky to still have my grandparents with me. And I think when they pass away, I think that'll be something that... Sometimes you don't want to talk about it initially because it's too painful. But I think it's really important to talk about it at some point, to keep them alive, to keep them in your memory, to keep talking about them. Because it, I find it really weird when people just forget that they were people. And that makes me feel really sad. And it makes me feel really like, I don't want that. I, like, I don't want that to be me. I don't want that to happen. And so I think how to help when someone has died, how to have these tricky conversations is making sure that you facilitate the type of reaction that they want to have. If someone tells you that someone has died be there for them be there for them not only on the day that they tell you but on the weeks coming on the months coming after send them that message two weeks later just wanted to check in do you want to go for a coffee just being there for someone and not having any expectations for them I think is really really important and letting people grieve whilst knowing you're there is a real comfort I think also being able to facilitate these types of conversations where they are able to talk about people that they have lost is really important but Again, being perceptive about whether or not they want to talk about that. Because you don't want your curiosity to hurt them. I mentioned this at the beginning of the episode, but that's not what we want. And I think that's really, really important. And I think it's ultimately just being about, it's just about being human about this. They're going through a really hard time. And I think you've just got to treat it with love and respect and know that they are trying to do their best. And 
sometimes their best is going to look not that great. You know, sometimes they might not message you for weeks upon end, but they are trying and they are struggling. And I think you have to be really, really forgiving with that. But on to the questions about this week's episode. So we have questions and topics. And so one of the first topics we got is the guilt of being the one that is left behind. And I think in terms of being feeling guilty about the one that you've left behind, again, this is all my own opinions on it. Don't take it as truth or as fact. This is just what I think about. I think, I think you have to focus on the fact that if they were still here and you had gone, that you wouldn't want them to live their life feeling sad because they were still here. And I feel like the guilt isn't going to change the fact that you are here, you are present, and you should live your life with them inspiring it. Always keep them there with you. Always be thinking about them. They haven't left you, and they would want you to live the most incredible life. And I think there's a real comfort in that, in that they would want this for you. And I think it's really, really important to remember that. The process of grieving. I think of grieving like waves and I think this is kind of similar as a traumatic response but with grief and it's not as intense as immediate death but as I said like I had ignored what happened until Monday night it was only on Monday night when I finally was like she's gone we're never going to talk again like I'm never going to call her up and there's so many things that like have changed that I would have really have liked to have shared with her and I think that's the process of grieving. It is like waves. The initial part will be shock and you'll get through it. And then as life goes on, you'll get little reminders of things that you wish you could tell them or things that you wish you could share. And you can't share any more with them. But I think... I think you've just got to try... The way that I think about it anyway, I don't know if this is right, but the way I think about it is like... I was so lucky to be able to have a person that I wanted to share these things to. And I kind of tell her anyway. Like, I think about what her reaction would be like and I think about how proud she'd be of me and how happy she'd be and how excited she'd be. And I think that's really... It's a very... it Like, that helps. Because it makes me realise that even though they're not here, they are still here. Even though they're not here presently, all of their impact in my mind is still here. Them as a person, their essence is still here. And I think that's important to remember. And someone just let me know that it's National Grief Awareness Week this week, which is so fitting and makes this episode even more poignant than it already was. And so it's weird how things work out, isn't it? I wasn't ready to talk about this. When when it first happened, I was like, right, I should do a podcast episode on this. I think this is one of my biggest flaws. When I go through something traumatic or sad or something that I need to talk about. I'm like, right, podcast episode, I should record it. But I was not in the right headspace to record an episode. I just was sat there and I was just silent. I was just like, I have nothing to say. I have nothing to say. And it's just taken a bit of time. And I think this is also the thing about the process of grieving, the process of understanding loss, is giving yourself the time to think about it and giving yourself the time to get over it in the sense of realising that, get over the shock... I don't mean get over the death, I mean get over the shock, because getting over it... I think sometimes we have this idea that one day we'll all be fixed and it'll all be okay, and I don't think that 
is the case. I just think you get used to them not being here anymore and you adapt to it. And I think rather than getting over, it's more on adapting to this new situation. I think that's an important reframing to have. Um, But there are a few other questions that weren't related so much to the podcast. So let me answer them now. Oh, I just went back onto the recording. Um, When you feel anxious about your future, how do you cope with that? Right. Me and Lou were having this conversation last night, actually, before we went to sleep, because neither of us could sleep. And I don't feel... Like, when I feel anxious about this, I get these moments where I'm like, fuck me, what am I going to do? Because I had this thing, the other, like, literally a few weeks ago, where I was like, I have to have a job when I leave university because I have to pay rent. And how the fuck am I going to pay rent and all of these things? And I was like, now, I just feel like it's going to work out. And I think when I feel anxious about my future, I try and remember all the things that I am doing to make myself feel not anxious about my future. Although, like... The way I'm helping myself right now by doing this course, the way I'm putting myself into a really good position, the way I'm learning, the way I'm making myself study, I think that's really important. And I think that's kind of like how I cope with it is focusing on the positions that I'm putting myself in to allow me to get further in life, you know? It's kind of rather than focusing on what uncertainty you have, focusing on the certainty that you can be putting yourself in a better position. And I think that mindset really helps me. How do you break the cycle of any bad habits you're doing? I find it so mentally tough to overcome. Mm, break the bad habits. Well, recently, I'm not going to lie, I haven't been good about sleeping. I've been going to bed way too late and scrolling way too much. I think I have to be quite strict with myself, but this is the other thing. I sometimes feel like well, it's not the end of the world. I find it really hard to mentally overcome as well. Um, I think if it's a bad habit, depends what the bad habit is. I think maybe more context, I could give you more specific advice, but I think it's just about being very strict with yourself and allowing yourself to realise that there's no alternative option. This has to happen this way, and so that's the only way it's going to happen, if that makes sense. Like, you have to you have to go to the gym each day so it's not even an option it's like I know I have to do a workout today it's like the podcast like I woke up this morning and I was like oh, I could really do with getting on to some work I can't do that today I have to do the podcast and that's why I'm glad that I've recorded the episode you know I think it's sometimes about just not giving yourself a choice it's not an option you're going to do it anyway so just do it and get it out of the way also if it's like breaking bad habits if the bad habit is like not working out let's say or not going for walks or not I don't know not saying that not working out is not a bad habit but do you know what I mean if that is your bad habit the way I deal with that is like just get it out of the way straight away it's just I get it out of the way and I think also with screen time and things like that it's about being aware how much you are scrolling and what's going on and just being very aware of what's going on I think that's in the way I break it is just being more aware but anyway that is the end of this week's episode it's been feels quite a heavy episode but I feel like we talked through everything well I don't know I felt like it was an episode I needed to record and I'll probably do other episodes on this topic because death is such a topic that is interesting to discuss and it isn't discussed. I think it's really important that we talk about it. But for now, I don't feel like it feels right to be like, all the new things I've done this week, blah, blah, blah. So we're just going to end it here. But um, make sure you are following me on Instagram and on TikTok at you've got mail underscore pod. And also, if you can give me a rating or review on the podcast that really really helps more people find me and I really appreciate it I have linked the Geneva community below so if you want to chat about this episode please click on that link and we can discuss it in the chat rooms there I hope you're having a lovely weekend and I'll speak to you soon bye